Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing, share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Executive Producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, athen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. Tune in to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn you into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life, and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. 
So join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. Joining us on this Wednesday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show, I'm Naima Latif, and we'll be joining Dr. Debbie Green for another fascinating topic. Do you find yourself becoming emotional when making choices and decisions in life? Are you hypersensitive to disappointments and challenges? Do you become overly anxious when things are out of your control? Do you think the worst things may happen? rather than thinking positive. If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be suffering with emotional conflict sensitivity. This is a common this is very common among people who are impulsive and have experienced past childhood traumas. The mind and heart should work together for mental and emotional balance. However, in this case, it is an internal battle. So we're going to join Dr. Debbie Green to discuss this matter in full on Soulful Solutions. And we want you to call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 when you're ready to ask your question of Dr. Debbie Green here on the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. So call on in. Not in control of life. Uh, from what I'm saying, external things that are happening outside, you know, people, places, things. Um, when we feel attacked by someone's words, someone's actions. So we get hypersensitive. And it's just the nervous system responding automatically. And you felt it before. You ever feel like you're in the argument and you might feel tension mm-hmm. or feel um, a little jittery, you know, heat around the ears. Some people feel a choking sensation. Some people feel heaviness in their chest. Okay, those are the body signals saying that the adrenaline was released from the brain and you're going into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And if this happens more often than most, your central nervous system really gets used to going in the threat mode with or without your permission, you know, because it's used to it's responding just to stimuli. It's responding to stimuli is anything that you're thinking, anything that you're feeling, Touching, whatever the case is, because we come, we, we experience the world through our senses, our senses, like what we see, what we touch, what we feel, what we taste. So I want to explore that a little bit with you, um, because if you are emotionally sensitive to conflict, then your nervous system is really taking a beating. So I want to help you understand that a little bit better. And most of all, to come up with some preventive tips that you can do when you find yourself feeling really overwhelmed and in the moment. 
So sit tight, okay, maybe grab a, you know, pen and pad, uh, you know, some, so if you have a light bulb moment, you will be able to jot those things down and, you know, reflect back on them later. Okay, so we'll be right back. All right, all right, so go ahead and let's get started for today. The first thing, uh, as I said, uh, the topic today is emotional conflict sensitivity. Um, the battle between the mind and the heart. The battle between the mind and the heart. So just kind of breaking it down in some logistics so that you can understand how we are wired, okay? We're wired hardwired, by the way. So once we create a habit of responding to things, it automatically just keeps doing the same thing over and over again unless you change it. Now, mindfully, uh, it takes 21 days to change a habit and 21 days to put one in place. And the 21 days is just a push-off, So, which means that if you do something consistently within 21 days, then your brain is going to take you seriously. Now, within those 21 days, if you don't do it consistently, the brain won't take you seriously, and it's going to be like, oh, he or she wasn't, you know, serious because they started off in three or four days, then it went right back to what they were doing. So the brain doesn't change. It only changed with repetitiveness and also with consistency. So, and we have to make a commitment for that. So, as we are engaging, or as we are engaging upon life, because life is made to live, you know, not just to exist or survive. Some people are in survival mode and not even knowing. Some people are existing and don't know it either. But living is a total different situation. Living comes with full responsibility, obligations to who? You. Not just to your children or your family or your husbands or your spouses, your significant others or your friends. No, you got to live for you first, okay? I think a lot of times what we do is we look for everyone else and we don't make time for ourselves. And you're like, well, Dr. Dale, I got to do this because I'm responsible. You know, nobody else can do it but me. No, it's just that you've been doing it so long, you became a... Okay, an addictive caretaker. Uh-huh. Yes, that's what I said. An addictive caretaker. All right. So before I get into emotional conflict, let me tell you what that is, because that's a very component part of what I'm just going to let you know about. Okay. When we care about people, and I'm just talking about people now, okay, not all these other things surrounding people, just people, because most of the time, We are mostly, you know, moved by people's actions. So when we care about people, it's two things to care, all right? You care about and you care for. You care about and you care for. When you care about someone, you care about them saying, okay, you can feed yourself, clone yourself, you're able-bodied, so I don't have to do those things for you. You're able-bodied. And just so you know, 
A child as early as eight years old can be able-bodied. You don't have to feed them. You should be able to teach them how to feed themselves. I don't care if they're making sandwiches. They're popping something in the microwave. Okay, give yourself a break. You don't have to cook dinner every night, okay? Help them help themselves, starting early in life. Okay, if you start early in life, so guess what happens? After a period of time, these people are very interdependent. Hello, okay? They can take care of themselves, and then they're going to want to work. Mommy, can I get a job? at 13 years old, being a bad person, or blowing newspapers in the neighborhood. Mommy, I'm going to make up my bed. Okay, start them off early, okay? That way you don't get emotionally conflict with them as they get older. Okay, all right. So fast forward. When we're dealing with adults, okay, adults we, again, care about. We care about them if they can do the little things I just told you. You can feed yourself, clothe yourself, take care of yourself, then guess what? You're good, right? All right, I should not be washing your clothes. If I'm cooking a meal, we both should share that meal of cooking. One day you do it, next day we do it. Okay, or vice versa. All right? I should not take on your emotional baggage. What you are, what you are struggling with emotionally, I should be able to listen. I should be able to confide, but I can't work that out for you because it's no longer mine, and it wasn't mine in the first place, okay, even though I might have adopted it, because that's what we do. We go adopt emotional baggage that belongs to other people. Oh, I'm so sorry you're going through that, and then if it's an argument between other people and other people, we get involved in that. You know, y'all done did that in families all the time. You know, you start taking on other people's issues, and they don't work out their issues, and you still stuck in the rut. Oh, emotionally, physically, conflicted. Now you see what I'm going at with the story. Again, let me give you the other definition, care, care for. We care for those people who cannot do things such as told you. If they can't feed themselves, we assist them in eating. If they can't dress themselves, we assist them in dressing. And you know those people who may not have the mobility to take care of themselves. Okay. All right. Now you understand the two definitions of care for and care about. So why are you still taking care of these grown people? Why are you doing it? With, with, see, that's the thing. I mean, I mean grown people, okay? Grown people. Could be husbands, significant others. Grown children still living in the home, living out of the home, okay, and you and you are mostly emotionally distraught because guess what? You're empty. That's what we call it, the empty heart syndrome. Okay, I'm still talking about emotional conflict. I'm getting ready to bring my co-host on because I can't even So grand rising. Grand rising, beautiful. How are you? Oh, fantastic. You know, I, as you were talking, awesome. I was thinking of so many friends that I have that are struggling with grown sons that simply have not left the nest and have not grown up. And 
they're frustrated because they don't know what to do. And I see a pattern. They have a child who's still being taken care of, even though that child is in their 40s. And I know that the the root cause is basically how they condition that child to be dependent and never made them go through those steps of taking responsibility during childhood. If you never had them help you with the meal when they were, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old, if you never had them pick up after themselves when they were, you know, just learning how to walk and talk and you never made them pick up their toys, you fussed about it, but you still did it yourself. You never had them go and get a job when they were in their teen years and want to buy all these fancy clothes, but you never made them be responsible for earning their own money for it. So if you never made them take responsibility during those years and then suddenly you look up and they're 18 and they're graduated from high school and they're still hanging around the house and you're still doing all the grocery shopping and paying all the bills and you're fussing about it, but you still do it. And they hang around and they want to get high and hang out with their friends and watch TV all day, and you fuss about it, but they're still there and you can't do anything about it. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on, and you yeah. look up and they're they're grown, and they might even have produced children somewhere that they're not living with or taking care of, and they're still up in your house, and you can't figure out, how do I, how do I make this grown man grow up? It's just things that didn't happen along the way, and now you look at it, and it's a, it's a pattern of, of dependency. Have so many well, friends absolutely. going through that? Yeah, absolutely. This is this is very common amongst families. Very, yeah. very common, especially American families, because uh, usually different cultures don't really do this. <laughs> yeah, you you're at a certain age, Asian you're expected to be grown. Asian cultures don't do this. Mm-mm. No, no. It's just American life type of thing. So when I was looking yeah. into it, I was looking at the ways, like you said, people are raised, but most of all, what causes a person to really struggle with emotional conflict sensitivity. And it's because of so many factors. That's just one factor, dealing with codependency, because that's what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also not bring your child up to be totally interdependent. Interdependent means yeah. I'm in the family, but I'm still
going through this, they're becoming extremely, uh, you know, hypersensitive to another person's actions and behavior. So, and then they get affected by it, and those aspects yeah. start to cause mental and emotional disorders, whether mm. they realize they're not. Uh, and your personality starts to change uh, because, you know, your being is hardwired. Like I was saying earlier, we're hardwired. So, which means whatever you start off doing, if you do it with a repetitiveness, if you're doing the same things over and over and over again, you're literally creating a habit. Yeah. Whether you realize it or not, you're creating a habit, and that habit is going to turn into addiction if you're not careful. Mm. So, when you were talking about why they now they realize that the habit that they created, turning into the addiction over the years of how they are living, how they are living. See, it's not so much the children that are being affected. It is what the parents are creating in the children that are being affected. That's the way it works. Because parents have to create things for children. Remember, we were born here not knowing anything. The only thing we knew was how to put something in our mouth and taste and say, ooh, that tastes good, tastes bad. That's all we knew. We came through with our senses. So all of the other stuff <laughs> of life, we got, yeah, it was a learned behavior that was handed down from ancestors as well as, you know, parents, because they got it from our ancestors. Right. And then it goes on and on, unless someone comes to an area and say, wait a minute, that needs to be changed. Okay, so how do we change that? By doing something different. Yeah. But you can't do it just once or twice. You got to do it all the time, right? Okay. Right. So these hypersensitive areas that people deal with, I want to really focus on those things. And these are these are called conflicts, okay? Mm. And conflicts can only be solved with resolution, not answers. Mm. Only resolution, right? So we have conflicts of the heart. Let's start there. Conflicts of the heart will be anger, guilt, Shame, remorse, grief. That's what the conflicts in the heart. Now, those things then start emotional uh, roller coasters, right? If you really think about it, it, let's just take anger. Okay. Anger, if not settled, if not finalized from the root, like you said, Mm -hmm. uh, because anger is just a signal to the brain say, hey, we need to do something different uh, because it just seems like something is brewing down here. When the heart, the heart is creating an issue from that circumstance, that experience or whatever it is that's on the outside of that person or something that happened in their childhood that's still a residue that's building up and has been there for years, that's been building up in the heart, okay, The heart is just sending these emotional messages to the brain. Can we deal with the conflict? Okay, the brain is either going to do one or two things. Either it's going to be aware or it's like, oh, no, I don't want to deal with that. Push it back down. Okay. All right, so if awareness comes, I'm ready to face my fear. Okay, I'm ready to deal with this. I'm ready to talk about this. I'm ready to... Sample, I call it sampling, sampling, hmm, all right, where does this coming from? Why does this, you know, where does this begin? You know, start pulling 
it out, sampling it. That's called mental process. Mm. Okay? And we are doing that, then we are then going to find what is called a resolution. You cannot find a resolution if you're not ready to face fear, sample, analyze, and process. It just doesn't happen. Because guess where it's going to go back to? The heart. The heart is the one that holds the issues. It carries. It's not just that organ that pumps blood throughout the body. It holds all of your emotional issues concerning your life. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Mm. But even the heart gets tired, Naima. It gets full. You know, sometimes when people look like when they talk, they look like they're about to choke from tears. They can't even tears stop. Well, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Before the tears start uh, rolling and they're telling a story of what's going on in life, and just, you can just see the heart welding. It's like, oh, my God, I'm so happy. You're finally talking about it. Oh, because I've been holding it for years and years yeah. and years. You're talking about it. And so the tears just keep rolling and rolling. That's the heart and the mind communicating. Most people think tears is a bad thing. No, it is a very good thing because you are relieving your being. Mm. Thank God for tears. You know, I have some patients that come to me and they say, I haven't cried in years and I want to cry. Wow. I don't even know what that feels like. And they've been holding it in. And so that's because, yes, they've been suppressing because the emotional conflict is also dealing with suppression. No, I don't want to go there moment. No, I don't want to talk about it. I put it to the back of my mind. Where do you think that energy is going? Mm. The back of the mind, when it gets full, it's going to drain into your heart. Wow. And when it finishes draining into your heart, it's going to drain into your body. Wow. And here comes conflict. Conflict in the heart, conflict in the mind, conflict in the body. We call conflict in the body sickness. Mm. Okay? All right. You know, we were talking about this where I, you know, employed, you know, there. We were, and I said, oh, I got to give them this message today because once we had a group of about 12 people, and every one of them had the heart conflict. Everybody. Wow. And they were dealing with it for years. Most of the times, people don't know they're conflicted in their heart because they don't, if you don't have a self awareness, emotionally available for yourself, it's hard for you to know when you're conflicted. All you know is, I'm dealing with it. Well, I've heard that story over and over. I thought I dealt with it. I thought I de- I said, well, what happened when you dealt with it? What kind of what's happening in yourself? What What do you feel from day to day if you thought you dealt with it? You, do you still feel sorrow? Do you still feel what is it? What's those emotions that just pop up in your mind or in your heart that you thought you dealt with? Hmm. Okay. Mm. All right. Okay. Your being will let you know if you have finalized. Otherwise, you will stay conflicted. And wow. emotional conflicted issues linger for years. Wow. Just stay there. Mm. Well, I got a question, but I know we got to take a break uh, in a moment. Is I, I the the pattern that I see 
with so many friends of mine that are struggling with children, and primarily sons is the pattern with, that just got stuck at a certain emotional age and never seemed to progress. Generally, there was a divorce, uh, you know, a split where the father left the home or left the relationship and is not actively involved in the day-to-day raising of the son. And if that divorce happened when the child, you know, before they were uh, reached puberty, what, at whatever age the divorce happened, it's as if the child stayed at that emotional age. And the mother would seem to try to overcompensate for the father's absence. And so she would do everything for her son, do everything, uh, buy him everything, you know, show that I don't need no, I don't need no man, you know. So she's working two jobs, she's doing all this, being super mom, and yet that seemed to have had a crippling effect on the young man growing up into a responsible adulthood. And so now she looks up and he's he's a grown man, still asking her for money, still uh, living at home, still not being able to commit in his relationships and again may have even produced you know several children with women that he could not commit to and you know he's dodging child support and just the whole thing just didn't grow into that manhood and what she does is gets angry and frustrated and he, just like your father you're no good you know and that and all that does is just recreate the pattern but it's it's her her anger and guilt that 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 maybe kept her from, I don't know, helping him evolve in the way he needed to because she felt like she had to show herself she didn't need that other partner, and yet the absence of the father is what kept the boy, the son, from seeing what manhood looks like. And all he knows is that women work really hard and take care of men because that's what his mother demonstrated. So that's that's a pattern that I see, and that maybe we can address you know some of the emotional issues in the women that cause them to create that pattern unknowingly, and then you know how right. how do you fix it? Mm-hmm. So we'll all right. We'll take a stab at that after we come back from break. All righty. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press one. If you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, Soulful Solutions. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, and if you've got questions, just write them in. We'll share them with listening and viewing audience. And we will be right back after this quick break, so stay with us. We have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults, many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. 
Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing, where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom. So mm. the only, 
I only see one resolution with that. I see many options, but only one resolution. One resolution is that she has to change the way she's responding to him. And uh, the other options is to really approach him with different ways so it doesn't seem harsh that she's letting him go. You know, that's the, the resolution is that she has to let him go emotionally in her heart. Not, and when I say that, Naima, some people say, well, are you telling me to stop loving someone? No, that's not what I'm saying. Love and addictive love does not mix. Addictive love is codependency. Mm. That's what it is. They don't mix. You love someone from an unconditional platform, mm. and that's hard because that takes sacrifice, and it also takes letting go techniques, right? So when you have a problem of holding on to people, that is, that's going to be difficult for you, and that's what she's experiencing. Her issue is that I got to take care of him. I got to, she, been, she probably was thinking, thinking about this ever since he was born, and then when she went through whatever she went through with her husband, then she really started grabbing hold tightly, yeah. not realizing it was too tight. Not, yeah. You know, I got to make sure you do this. I got to make sure you do that. You got to, and then she's probably looking at it as, as a perfectionism, you know, within herself. Yeah. As, I'm a good mother yeah. if I do this, if yeah. I do that. I got to prove I'm, I'm a, a good, good mother. mother if yeah. I don't do this and yeah. don't do that. And here we go. And it just starts a domino effect. And before she realized that she has interrupted his life, because now he is not uh, what they call an adult adult. He's a yeah. child adult. Yeah. A child adult literally doesn't make a lot of choices that are wise. They make choices that are more impulsive because they don't think with the logical mind. They still think with the emotional mind. Yeah. See what I'm saying? And that's because they were not there was no uh, independence taught. Independence taught teaches you to be more logical than emotional, if that makes sense. So Something didn't happen in one of whatever stages of growth they should have gone through, and it, it, at whatever point a a son usually disconnects from his mother and takes that leap into independent manhood, it didn't happen. And and you know, as you say, she's making sure, oh, I take care of him, and that's one thing when he's like seven. You know, and then maybe when he's 12, something else should have happened that didn't. And now, you know, he's 18, and it still didn't happen. And now he's 25, and he's still seven emotionally because she's still taking care of him. But now she's angry because he didn't develop into that man that she wanted him to be. But whatever was supposed to happen to make that happen didn't happen in their home because she was still the super mom taking care of him, doing everything. So what should women be doing, even if they're single mothers? What should they be doing to foster that independence and competence to take care of oneself? Because what I see is a lot of 
rebellious male teens who may be living with single moms and the mother's frustrated, you know, I can't do anything with him, he won't act right, he won't do what I tell him. And and I think maybe the rebellion is whatever attempt that is for the son to grow into manhood. But like you say, they make poor choices. They make destructive choices. They want to do things that are hurtful because they don't have guidance as to what manhood looks like from a positive perspective, but they know that they should be less dependent on their mothers and yet whatever expression of of aggression, manhood, assertiveness, whatever it is, it, it ends up being negative and self-destructive. It, it's hanging out with the friends. It's doing illegal things. It's, you know, yeah. doing personal self-harm things, drugs, alcohol. It's, you know, womanizing. It's all of these things that they may see other men do that are not their fathers or men who are guiding them to a healthy manhood, but right. it's all they know, and it's their way of disconnecting from their mother, but it's not helping them grow up in a in a, in a strong way, in, a, in a, a positive way. So what should the mother be doing, especially if her child has reached that stage of rebellion and she realizes that she doesn't have the control over him that she wanted to, should she be trying to control him or should she be maybe find some different, well, trying to find some different guidance for him? Yeah, but to be honest with you, everything you just said is just him learning from the world. See, yeah. when, when, when a man child, which is a boy, right, doesn't grow up with a father that is a father, that knows that, you know, he's the, uh, they have good traits and good personality and, and characteristics of a good father, then if he's not taught that, then he learns it from the world. You see mm. what I'm saying? He learns it from social media. Yeah. He learns it from what he sees. And then guess what those behaviors, everything you just told me, is just from the outside of himself, right? So um, it's important that our children grow up with both components, Naima, uh, both Parental influencers are were put together for a reason so the child can grow up balanced. So when that is not done, then again, if it's, if if it rather is a boy not having a father, uh, a girl not having a mother, it's still the same thing. They're going to learn it from the world, right? Yeah. So whoever the existing parent, nuclear parent, grandmama, auntie, or whoever, uncle that's you know, raising this child has to make sure they have some strong mentors. Strong mentors more so than them. Um, if it's like I say, in the situation you're talking about, she should find a mentor system. But see, the damage has already been done. You gotta understand this. He's already a man. So whatever emotional dis uh emotional, I call it hit state, he's already suffered, is already etched into the brain. You mm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's frustrated with life, you know. He's frustrated because of, you know, not having those components. It's a good chance that because he did not have a relationship with his dad, 
you know, he's angry. Yeah. And so his anger comes out in behavior. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, when she's trying to talk to him, he's rebellious because he doesn't know how to deal with his anger. Yeah. He doesn't know how to filter through it. So he gets, whoever's in the bullseye gets the hit. Yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah. And, they, and that frustration, agitation, irritation turns into, into, again, turns into resentment, discord, confusion, even rage. You know what I'm saying? Rage yeah. is in many different ways, yelling, screaming, slamming doors, uh, you know, leaving home. You don't know where they are. Binging may go and, uh, you know, he might, might be looking for a compensation, uh, which is drugs, alcohol, promiscuousness. Yeah. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because the damage yeah. is already done. That's the reason why I said to you, the only way that she can bow out, she's going to have to move out of the way and allow life to deal with him. Now, it's only a few, you know, outcomes this is going to have. Mm. Either he's going to get the hard knocks, mm. which is he's going to get tired of bumping his head real hard, getting a little close to you know, life tragedy areas for him to realize or, you know, life may send him a, a wonderful thing because sometimes that happens too. Life sends somebody say, hey, man, you're doing the wrong thing. You need to go this direction. Sometimes that happens too, but she can't do it. She, she cannot can't do, it. do it. So yeah. she has to give him ultimatums. Hey, you got to get a job. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you this how, this how much time. Go ahead and get a job to do what you have to do. Um, and if you can't do that, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I that's going to be a problem. I've I really, I've seen, I've seen it so often. Uh, mothers are at their wits' yeah. end. You know, they they say, you know, if you don't get a job, you got to get out of here, and they say it and threaten it and threaten it. But then they feel awful at the thought of putting their child out in the street, even though their child might be in their 20s, 30s, even 40s, <laughs> and just not productive in life and not motivated and, and not seeming to know how to manage their life. And again, these are grown men who are sexually intimate with women and producing children that they are, but they're not forming families with these women. So what they have done is create another broken or unformed family somewhere where there's another child that's going through the same trauma that they experienced of having to be raised with a mother without the help of a father. And, you know, the, the pattern continues. And something has to change the pattern. And I don't know if we need more more mentors, more mentoring programs, but it's as if the, like you were saying, other cultures aren't doing this. It's as if the disruption of the family unit has created an ongoing cycle where the next generation continues to disrupt the family unit Right, and we are yeah. not raising our children in the context of repeating the pattern of a family structure, because when once we disrupt the family structure with a divorce, then we don't have the example of how two life partners work together in the raising of children and and guiding them to a healthy adulthood. So, like you say, the child, the children learn from the streets. The daughter learns from the streets. The son learns from the streets. Now, in situations 
sometimes the, the the female child will be a little more successful because she's got the example of a strong mother working and taking care of herself. She has the example of a female being independent, but she doesn't have the example of a female in a healthy relationship. So she may uh, career-wise excel, but she still ends up in a broken relationship because she hasn't seen how to choose someone who is emotionally healthy enough to be a life partner that has learned responsibility. But she might excel in her career and, and finish school and all of that, but she still ends up in that same cycle. Yeah, absolutely. That's because there's a conflict. But you, you, Everything you just discussed is when people are in conflict and some, some know it and some don't. Because people tend to live in a conflicted mindset and conflicted emotions. And, again, whatever one adapts to becomes a habit. That's what it is. So, uh, the again, we are not perfect people. We are We have been split up in generations on top of generations. So these, these splits are these separational mindsets, you know, from our loved ones, from our, you know, our our families, it's just a replica of what we've been dealing with for the last 400 years, okay? So mm-hmm. we went over that last week when we were talking about, you know, ancestral mathematics yeah. of how we get the generations of dysfunctions continue to go down the pipeline, okay? So, again, the conflict is real, right, because the struggle mm-hmm. is real. You know, and we're still dealing with these same conflicted issues. Like you say, the cycling of the same things over and over and over again. So some will know and some won't know. Some is going to stay in conflict because of their inability to be, again, emotionally mature enough to know, I, am I, you know, causing the conflict within myself? You know, am I passing on the conflict? to another human being, you know, but you don't know if you're not emotionally mature enough to know that. And there is such thing as emotional maturity. Um, we think that mental maturity will, you know, give us the signs, oh, yeah, you're doing something wrong, but not all the time. Not all the time because we, we, we get hooked in things through our emotional centers. You know, we feel things more than we think things, and that's normal. But there's a, every time we think something, there's a thought present, but that doesn't mean we're paying attention to that thought. Mm-hmm. Because feelings are stronger, emotions are way stronger energies than thought processes. So as we feel through life, which is dangerous, people, I'm so sorry, it's not an option. If you don't stop feeling through life, you will never notice your errors and your conflicts. You will always keep adapting to them. Logically, you, if you see something that you say, why does this keep happening? Okay, that's your, that's your red flag. And something is happening that's not productive, that's not useful or brings you joy in your life, it's something that you need to pay attention to because that is a, a trigger that is the emotional trigger that is bringing you to a uh, awareness that you need to change something about how you're living. Don't blame it on another human being. You know, we and we constantly point fingers. We're always saying victim. Yeah. And we 
unevolved emotionally into adulthood, and they are also not, so therefore they've got another child somewhere going through the same thing. If they're a female, going out, selecting somebody who was not emotionally developed into adulthood, having a child with that person, now they're carrying the same burden of having to be that single parent trying to do everything and crippling the child from developing into maturity. So, I mean, this this pattern has, we can look back several generations and see it. That's where it comes from. And and everybody's blaming everybody, but nobody's taking responsibility for their part in it. And, you know, it's and easy. I don't, <laughs> you know, it's easy for us as women to, to blame the men, I'm but, you know, what are we doing? Sorry for interrupting you. <laughs> I don't want people to think that we are saying that, you know, people are not raising, don't know how to raise their children. It's just that whatever the parental influencers, you know, it could be women or men that's raising children, you have to look at the longevity of raising a child. Yeah. Most people look from day to day, okay? No, you got to look down the line. What kind of person that you want to enhance, not create? You can't create a child. Yeah, a child was already created in the womb. It's going to grow, right? It's going to grow into an adult. That's all all you need to know, right? So out of those areas, your goal is to make sure as much as humanly possible that this child has an emotional, mature mind. Now, emotions will not be intact until they are 24 years old, just so you know, right? Mm-hmm. So you got a long period of time because the logical mind and emotional mind is not totally developed until you're 24 years old. And that's the reason why you see kids, adolescents, even young adults just look like, you're like, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, because they have not developed yet. So here comes that thing called trauma. If they mm-hmm. ever had any trauma, Trauma is abuse, crisis, disappointment mm. in their lives at early ages between as early as 2, I'll say to 17. Any trauma in that area is going to complicate those precisional uh, structures from developing appropriately in the mind. I'm not talking about the brain. Mm. I'm talking about the mind, the unconscious, subconscious, conscious area. Okay, ego processes totally change when it comes to trauma. So now they're not as emotionally stable. So when parents, parents, and I'm talking to parents, if someone's not in the home, like if you, if, if there's a missing parent, missing mom, missing dad, okay, guess what? Child is going to suffer trauma. Automatically. Yeah. Yeah. Automatically, right? Yeah. yeah. So. We, as other parents, as a stable parent, I got the mother and father of my child. That's what you're thinking. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's impossible because we know that some mothers who Roy raised, I know a mother that raised four boys, and those four boys are active, and she wasn't missing a beat. But boy, did she have to work, right? And also yeah. men that raised girls, and they were successful. But even in the midst of it all, a lot of them, they were successful, like you said, in their careers, but they 
didn't have a component of emotional maturity. That's it. So now their relationships mm-hmm. are affected. Yeah. Because you got to remember, they grew up half yeah. and half the whole. That's so it. they grew up half. When you grow, when you grow up half, you struggle with relationships. Yeah. It's just a normal pattern. Yes. Because you don't have both the components to give you right. wholeness. Right. And I, and I think that's something that we have to acknowledge. As many as yeah. it's common as single parenting is, you have to realize what's missing is going to be missing in your child's life, the ability to see how to manage an intimate emotional relationship with another partner. They're not seeing the example of what that looks like. So, yes, they might finish school, higher education, get a great job, have a great career, buy a car, all those things that we deem as success, but their personal relationship will suffer because they didn't have that wholeness. And knowing that when we... And within them. Yeah. Within themselves, they, within themselves. They, will, they, will, they will feel what's missing. we got to take another break. And uh, if you're on our switchboard now and have a comment... Feel free to press 1. If you're listening online and want to join the conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1. If you would like to join us visually, you can go to Soulful Solutions on YouTube and make sure you subscribe so you can get regular notices whenever Dr. Debbie goes live. And if you're watching us on Facebook, make sure you like and share And we'll be right back after this quick break, so stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in just a moment, so stay with us. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel? Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak.
Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, host John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the Media Connection. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV Channel 19 in Chicago. and other cities, check your local cable listings.
really get some counseling on conflict resolution because usually whatever insecurity the person has surfaces in that love relationship, and this is why it ends in such bitterness where you don't know how to simply resolve a difference without all of your insecurities surfacing and then you end up attacking the other person because of what still is inside of yourself. And what used to be expected is that, well, if women, and, and a lot of a lot of cultures still teach this, well, if women would just be quiet and be submissive and do what her husband says, then there will be no problems. Well, then you're asking a grown woman not to be a grown woman. She's not a child. And we accepted that thought for a long time, and it's very damaging because it produces men who learn how to be abusive. And that's not the same thing as learning how to resolve a conflict with your partner. So yeah. that that not working, you know, and you have a lot of women now uh, are, are super aggressive in uh, perhaps reacting to what they may have seen or perceived as weakness in their mothers not standing up for themselves. And so they take the other end of the pendulum and become very uh, very aggressive, um, even attempting to be controlling, uh, very combative. Uh, and so that still is not conflict resolution. So you've got two people trying to come at each other with aggression, Right. And I think on the Tuesday show we were talking about male and female traits. So you have two two forces where it's both aggressive and conflicting, and so that relationship doesn't last because they haven't learned how to have enough confidence in themselves to allow a person to express themselves and express a difference without attacking them and or feeling attacked, and so eventually the the relationship is destroyed. And so now you've got this broken family where the children then do not learn healthy conflict resolution. They do not learn how to make healthy choices. They are wounded, like you say, you know, no matter how hard the mother works or how far, hard the father works, whichever one is a single parent, you still can't, heal the wound of them not having that sense of wholeness because of that partnership that was supposed to raise them is broken. So we're we're reproducing broken people generation after generation, and if we could just learn conflict resolution and learn to face whatever childhood traumas that are still within us, no matter how in love we are, they're going to surface in your marriage. They're going to surface in your relationship. And, and just being, and just marrying somebody doesn't make it go away. Women think, well, if you just marry me. No, because if you got problems and he got problems, they're not going to disappear just because you get married. They will just escalate, and then you still end up breaking up. So, you know, uh, it, that's not the answer. And, and so we have to learn how to resolve conflicts in a healthy manner, which is probably not going to be how our parents handled it, the reason why we're wounded. If they handled it where they had a knockdown, drag-out fight and, and, and then, you know, the mother cowered in the corner and just shut up, or you know, that's not, that's not it either. Or maybe the father just let himself get verbally bashed and beat down 
until he just went and, you know, left the house and got drunk, came back home, and that was it. That's not it either. So however unhealthy way our parents may have handled conflict that caused a wound in us, we don't want to repeat that. We need to learn healthy ways, which means we need to get some professional counseling and learn how to, in a mutually respectful way, resolve conflict. That's a skill that couples are not learning before marriage, and many of them just don't have access to healthy marriage counselors. And I'm not saying the pastor of your church may not have skills, but if they were not trained as a marriage counselor, they don't have the skills. You know, just quoting scripture at you, that's not counseling. I love you all, pastors, but if you don't know you, if you know you don't have the skills and just you know, admonishing a woman, obey your husband, that's not counseling. So you have to help people with their inner childhood traumas so that they can work through them and not destroy their relationship in the process. Yes. It's very important. Again, you know, it all takes emotional maturity. Yes. That's all it is. Um, Otherwise, like you said, you know, those two components are going to be going at it. You know, the storm, the storm will calm, and then it'll come back. Because guess what? It's not resolute. It's yeah. not. It's not. The conflict is there. It just keeps. And every time it comes back, it gets bigger and bigger. So it doesn't die down. Yeah. You know, it doesn't completely go away. You can pretend like you know it's all right. And you know, it's funny that you even be talking about that particular situation because I have a client right now. Her and her significant other is, you know, they're constantly, you know, one minute they're they're happy, next minute they're they're tearing at each other, you know, cursing each other out and disrespecting each other, and you know, they're just this pattern, this constantly keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Mm-hmm. And I told, her, I said, all right, you came to me because you had depression and anxiety, but it ain't going to get any better if you're constantly colliding with your significant other. Right. You're colliding. That's called emotional colliding where people just constantly, I call it like, you know, that's what it's like a symbol. Yes. Because it's just going to keep doing it. It's just going to keep doing it. And then one day it's going to do it so ferociously that, you know, God forbid somebody really get injured because of the, the impulse moves, because when one is impulsive in their emotions, they may say or do something that they really, really regret. And then uh, it's too late because you've already said it. You've already done it. So, uh, again, one has to have an emotional maturity. One of you got to be the grown-up, okay, as I would (laughs) say, Um, and stop going back and forth, confrontation and arguing, because Again, that is not going to help the situation. It's going to tear you down. Right. It's going to tear your being down. It's going to make you eventually hate each other. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Because you know what? There's no resolution. There is no mutual respect. Right. All the mutual respect is out the door. Because with conflict resolution, you have two parties, our group of people, that in conflict, they don't think the same. And it's all emotional. Every last bit of it is I'm emotional about what you are saying or what you are doing. So the only way to gain some type of leverage is that you have to go back and be assertive. Assertive communication more so than 
un- unlearn unhealthy behaviors. Otherwise, you just end up having somebody stay in a bad relationship that's emotionally and sometimes even physically abusive out of guilt because, well, the church says divorce is bad. But if, right. if you don't get out of something that's hurting you, then all you do is just re-traumatize the children who are watching this unhealthy relationship. I've, right. seen, I've seen people yeah. stay in marriages way and too again, long as I said, they should have left. Right, yes, yes. And I think one should be taught emotional maturity yes. at a young age. Has to be taught. You know, um, I think, like you said, when we tell our children not to feel by, be quiet, mm-hmm. stop crying, mm-hmm. you're telling them to stop feeling yes. when you're not uh, expressing to them like, hey, uh, I know you don't uh, agree with what I'm saying, and you don't you don't like what I'm doing. You know, how do you feel about that? Let they need to express, even if the the you know the response is, well, mommy, I don't like it. Blah 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? And it is it should be, and you can't get angry at them when they are expressing it. Yes. You know, um, because the heart has to have a breathing room. That's what I call it. Yes. A breathing room. Right. So if you teach your child not to have a breathing room, then it won't have flexibility and it will always suppress itself. Right. And even as adults, adults need to understand they have to give their heart breathing room. Yes. Which is that, you know, we are, we're sticklers on emotions. You know, as soon as we feel... An emotion that is that we feel is uncomfortable, but we don't process it. We try to figure out where is it coming from on the outside. Like, mm. who said this? Who did what? Somebody did something. Because I felt something. So I felt attacked. What was in I me? I felt threatened. So who, where, did, yeah. where is it coming from? Yeah, whose who's fault is it? Right, myself. right. Where, yeah. yeah, whose fault is it, right? Right. But you have to ask, ask yourself a question. What's inside of me? All right, that's internal. Yeah. So something's happening inside of me because something I heard, something I saw, something I touched. Yeah. Something touched me. What was in me? And it stimulated something inside of me, which is called a conflict, people. Mm. Right? Right. We got a caller if you'd like to take. um, Okay, one second. Conflict. Conflicts are there. We call them triggers mm. in the psychological world. Yes. So we got to go recognize ahead, the triggers. Go yes. Go ahead. Now finish what I'm saying. Yeah. Every code eight one five six six six. You're live on the Female Solution Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. Go right ahead with your question or comment for our host. Go right ahead. Uh, good morning. This is uh, Kofi. Uh, great conversation. Uh, I know we all are getting uh, getting deep trying to heal others. Uh, I like to always speak a solution and not always the issue. Um, I mean, just the other day, I saw two couples arguing, young couples, uh, and they had a baby, and the baby was looking so stressed, and the girl was grabbing the guy, and I said, excuse me. She said, they said, mind your business. I said, no, I want, I want you all to do something for me real quick. Look at your child. And they look, mm. and the child is going, and I'm like, you see, you see what you're causing? You ain't bothering me. I'm laughing at you. 
but you're bothering the child. And it's like, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, one of the best things I tell people, because I do a lot of of couple counseling, and I hear a lot of people out here telling people to break up, get away from each other, you don't need each other. No. When a football team comes together and they want to go out there and perform together, they're going to have a huddle. When a basketball team, before they go out on the court, they're going to they're going to sit with, with the coach as, in a timeout and get make a play before they go out there. So when couples come together, they have to come together and saying to say, when this comes up, when an issue comes up, or we might have a disagreement, or, there, or somebody else may come up and and do something. What are we going to do? Mm. That's a playbook. That's a playbook. Yeah. And so I tell the couples out here, get together. Prayer is a playbook. Get together and always say, if this happened or if this happened or that happened or we we tend to disagree, when, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna stop talking. When my when I grew up when I when I was young, my parents did not argue in front of us. You know what they did? What did they do? You probably already know the answer. Where do you think they go? Where do you think, where do you think uh, my parents went when they start arguing? Did they go in their room, shut the door, and have a private conversation? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because they didn't, they didn't want to throw all that off on me. I'm looking at them like, what's going on? And I'm feeling, I'm feeling all this negative energy. And, and, and sometimes the kids see their parents arguing. And guess what the kids start doing? Crying. Yes, yes. They start crying. Yeah, they feeling this. They feeling this conflict uh, energy. So I was just wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to kind of uh, throw in, throw in you guys soup, saying, what are some of the things that you can do to prevent conflict before it arises? Because when you're with someone and you're going through conflict and you don't have that type of relationship. Because you didn't, you didn't determine what type of relationship you have. You didn't determine, uh, you know, who are we? What are we trying to do? You know, are we a couple? You see what I'm saying? I I I, I like to look at situations from not from the aspect of after the problem occurs. I like to look at the situation before. Before it occurs, to prevent it. So, what are some of your your techniques to prevent conflict? Ooh, now we getting deep now. What? Well, that, give me some question. of your ideas that's, to prevent conflict. Yeah, well, that's definitely that's, a good that was question. my question. And hold on, we're gonna we're gonna answer that. Thank you so much for your contribution. Uh, it, and I, and I know that there are some parents who say you shouldn't argue in front of your children, uh, but then their children don't see conflict, but then they also don't see resolution either. So, you know, there there are two ways to I look at that. You on that. So, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Uh, first of all, should should you not argue in front of the children, or should you have the healthy discussion, but also let your children see how you resolved it? That's that's what my husband and I did. We argued, but we also would let our child see the the, the resolution. You know, see, you know, however you 
finally worked it out, apologized, whatever misunderstanding, so that she could see the yeah. whole picture and not just, okay, we don't want to see us argue. But then the child feels the, the, the tension in the house even if you don't openly do things. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. Well, I think, uh, first of all, um, I, I think we should go back to the olden days because, uh, you know, when you sit at the, the table and you're eating, a lot of things come out, yeah. which, which we don't do today. Yeah, that's okay? family time. Um, yeah. We don't very seldom does families eat together at the same time because of the way our era, ERA, has changed in our social media uh, technology lives, okay? So yeah. long story short, um, if there is a conflict between parents, um, there should be a discussion. Okay. Yeah. If your children are as early as eight, eight years old, eight years old, you sit down. You say, "Well, that's like grown-ups need to do grown-up things. Children need to do children things." However, there's a thin line between that because you're teaching your children how to be grown-up. Yes. Right. They have to learn. So eventually, one day, they're going to have some kind of similar you know, conversation in their life with mm-hmm. another adult at some given point. So you can then do this to have a teaching moment out of your conflict. You know, uh, we're going to call a family meeting today. Mm-hmm. We're going to let you know mommy and daddy is having a disagreement, okay? Disagreement mm-hmm. is about money, for example. Uh, money, and this is, the, this is the disagreement that we have. Um, the reason why we're bringing it to you, because we don't want you to think, that mommy and daddy does not love each other, if you hear high tones and, and you know, pitches in our voices, you may just see sometimes we speak directly to each other. We're not screaming or yelling, but we're just getting our point across. Mm-hmm. So this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And I want you to know we still love each other. It's just that we're working this out so we can have a mutual understanding. And we want, want you to know that if you are affected by this, we need to know now. How do you feel about what's happening or what kind of energy or what, what you're picking up? And you say, well, most of people don't do that. You know, we say, go in, like you say, go to the room, close the door, and act like ain't nothing happening. Okay? Well, <laughs> hello, the Martin children today are not like that. You can go drive down the road in the car and argue and come back. They still don't know. Something is wrong. Yeah, they right? can feel the so vibration. Let the yes. Truth be told, let the truth be told. Let it be up and up front. Okay, let's all talk about this. What do you think? I want to hear your opinion. Okay, I want to know what you feel. Now you have an active, a active family-oriented family, and you'd be surprised. Your children have good advice. Yes. They are very smart. They you know, are. They have this little mom. You know, you might need not to look at dad like blah, 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 or the verse of dad not to do this. And you're not looking at them to do exactly what they what they say, but you want them to know that they have an involvement. That's in very life. important. Now, will every situation be like that? No. There will be some mature situations that you as parents have to, uh, especially if it's dealing with the bedroom, okay? Yeah, yeah that's stuff. definitely private. They can't help you with that. <laughs>
dealing also with the relationship conflict proactively. You need to ask that person when they are at rest, not when they're going back and forth, arguing back or having a disagreement. When nothing is being done, hey, I thought that we had a disagreement the other day. I just want to know, and I'm not going to judge you before you tell me this, I want to know what was your view of that of that argument and what do you feel that went wrong mm. in the both of us. Right. What is your view, your view, your perception of the situation and what do you feel that went wrong between both of us? Not just what I said or what you said. What do you feel that went wrong between the both of us? Now you're going to get an open-eyed view. Yeah, and and, right? and you got to you, and you you got to give them that platform to speak clearly and clarity without judgment. Right. Without judgment, then if you yeah. take that information and you're like, oh, okay, now I understand why you were so irritated. Now I I understand that why we could see eye to eye is because of this. So this is what I saw. In that situation, this was my perception, and this is also what I felt. So let's take all of this and put it together and come up with a mutual, respectful understanding. Mm. So if we face this again, we have what is called a solution. Right. And And we we can have have two words. Two words saying, two words saying, if if I say something, you know, by chance, that you may make you uncomfortable, you say the Q word. The Q word could be, you know, I don't know, not stop or anything like that. It should be something odd, like Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you but you have to Tinkerbell. And you have to make that a habit because if we're coming out yeah, of if we're coming out of families where people didn't do any of that, people didn't have family meetings, people didn't ask, ask your children their opinions, people didn't uh, talk about what they felt, they just argued and called names. And if we're coming out of all of that tradition, we have to unlearn that behavior because most of us, that's what we came out of. So you're talking about learning a whole new system of relating and, and communicating yeah. that we didn't learn and no one modeled for us. Yeah. So that means doing right. something new that was not done. You have to set a new standard for how your family relates. We've got to take one last break. But when we come back, let's talk about that because, you know, it, it, some people might say, oh, this is not realistic. Yes, it is. You, can, you have to decide, though. You have to decide, this is what I want my family to look like. I experience dysfunction. I don't want that. So now I'm going to choose to do something different when there is a differing opinion between me and my spouse, me and my significant other, and the children are involved. I'm going to change the way I respond so that I don't reproduce what I lived in childhood that was painful. So we'll be right back after this last break. And we want you all to stick and stay. I think we got a, another caller on the line. I'm going to take you after the break. And YouTube, subscribe, thank you. Absolutely. Soulful Solutions on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and share. And we'll be right back. Stay with us. What if you could live to be 120 years old and remain active, healthy, alert, and vibrant? Our bodies are made up of cells that are constantly rejuvenating. 
So if we take proper care of ourselves, we can literally defy aging. Join us every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time to learn about self, cell care from Susan Essentials on the Female Solution Blog Talk Radio Show. Learn how to help your body and yourself feel rejuvenated each day through proper nutrition, sleep, frequency medicine, and many unconventional methods of self-care. I'm Jody Susan. Join me and my amazing guests by calling in at 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak. We'll help you achieve a breakthrough in your health today. Is Monday morning a struggle to get out of bed, into the swing of things? Well, don't worry, you are not alone. Join us for thought-provoking, stimulating, and mindful conversations on higher learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness session on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution, Mondays, 7.30 until 9 a.m. Be sure and send your ideas, thoughts, comments, and suggestions. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit zeldaspeaks.com and send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the mindfulness slash stress relief coach, Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the mindfulness moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of mindfulness on higher learning with Zelda Speaks. Make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening. Thank you. 
individuals or even yourself, you give yourself that, you know, I, I call it like it's a heart breathing room. Heart breathing room, okay, I'm just going to dwell on this for a moment so I can process it. I don't think we do enough processing. We're yeah. so emotional, reactive, sensitive, so we don't process. We just stay in the emotions, and those emotions kidnap us, hijack us, and before we realize it, we'll go from hours to days to weeks to months to years. I've seen people do it. And that's just like, okay, if you're in this area, I feel stuck. I feel discombobulated. Okay, well, you've been emotionally hijacked by something. And the emotional hijack is when you literally attract things because your being is that energy is inside of you, yeah. and you're attracting more things to keep that energy going because it's like we are magnets in the universe. So you we're, attract we're you what you are. Yeah. Feeling the intent of it. And most people say, well, why can't I get off my mind? It's because you're ruminating. Ruminating is mm. that you, you went from worry to overly concerned to obsessive. Now you are ruminating. Ruminating is rolling around in your mind, rolling around in your mind. And you don't seem to be able to get that out because it has created a habit of it. The brain adapts very, very quickly. It's a sponge, right? Yeah. So, again, mature, mature emotions. Take the time to find something to cure yourself. Not just cure, not just cure the other person that's around you. You cure yourself when you feel you have to know your own red flags. Okay, when am I becoming emotional, too emotional, because I see that I'm triggering. Okay, yeah. why is that trigger there? What's causing that trigger? What's the root cause of it? And if it's there and if you're still working on it, process. Why do I feel victimized by your words? Right. And, by and your actions. Right. And, and so let me process that. Yeah. Should be a verbal cue. Verbal cue yeah. says, okay, hey, pay attention. Take a bell. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to realize when when you've grown off the track. Now, what I what I learned about myself in my marriage, uh, I thought I was a very calm person, but there are things that would trigger, and then I had an explosive temper if I suppressed my discomfort for too long. And it was like a volcano erupting, you know, a volcano with the pressure builds and builds and builds, and then it explodes and it shoots lava all over the place. So that was what my temper was like, and I had to learn that rather than let something just fester and fester under the surface and not say anything, I had to address it when it first uh, uh, when it first bothered me, and address it in a way that was not accusatory, like "Well, you did this," you know. So I had to relearn how to relate. I had to learn how to say things in a way that was not attacking, and I had to learn how to uh, uh, address it before so much time passed where, like you say, it's ruminating, and I'm over, you know, yeah. over the next 24, 36, 72 hours, like, yeah, he did this, he said this, he did this, he did this, you know, and I'm angry and angry and getting more and more angry. So by the time, you know, one little thing said, now I'm exploding, because of all of this time of buildup of anger when I didn't say anything. So I learned that that was a very unhealthy way to deal with conflict and that I needed to say something in the beginning and say it in a way that was not attacking but just expressing 
what how I perceived had happened. And usually it was a total misunderstanding, total, you know, they saw things one way, I saw things another way. But when, if you let yourself get to that point of explosion, then you're saying ugly things and you never really get to your own self and the reason why you responded was because of something inside of you, not something that they did. And this is why we have to relearn how to relate. We have to relearn how to address a conflict or a perceived conflict. We have to relearn how to assess ourselves. Most of us grew up in in situations where, because our parents didn't know any better, they're very dysfunctional, arguing, name-calling, hurtful things said, and, you know, and then, you know, either they decided to forgive and get over it, or they didn't forgive and the relationship ended. But either way, we most of us did not learn these healthy ways of relating, and we definitely didn't understand that once you have children, they are part of the family. And if there's, uh, you know, a differencing of opinion or or, or a, a discussion or a, a, a decision needs to be made, we need to teach them that their feelings matter and, and give them a sense of, responsibility of contributing to the family's well-being. And I think that's what's missing right. when when we break those family units and children don't mm-hmm. see that this is a this is a whole unit and everybody's behavior is affecting everybody's behavior. So everybody's responsible for their own behavior and what they're contributing to the whole. That's what children need to see and experience growing up so that when they're say, when they're asked well well, we're thinking of, of of taking a vacation this year uh, in August to Virginia. How do you feel about that? Well, if we do that, then I'll miss my summer camp or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, whatever the family deciding. Well, we're deciding, we're thinking of selling the, the family car and getting something else, you know, how do you feel about that or, you know, whatever the situation may be. Or we're thinking of, you know, uh, building a swimming pool in the backyard or we're thinking of, uh, right. You know, moving yeah, and, and changing schools. I mean, just whatever is is happening that could affect their lives, yeah. we should include them in the discussion and get their point of view. If nothing else, so they understand that they matter, and that's that's an empowering thing that helps people develop that emotional maturity to be able to discuss. And so, family meetings may be something your family never did because, like, well, you know, children, it's none of your business, it's grown folks' business. Shut up. Most of us, that's how we were raised. So this is a whole new way of thinking. Oh, well, this five-year-old, her opinion matters. Oh, this this eight-year-old, his opinion matters. <laughs> we didn't have that growing up, most of us. So that's a different way of thinking that we need to employ, that everybody's feelings matter. And that's a way we begin to heal right. the, the hurt that we experience that makes us not able to talk because most of the time our voice was suppressed. So that's why now when we're upset, we're yelling because we didn't learn how to express our thoughts calmly. Exactly, and that's because the era we're in. We're in a the era. Yeah. Uh, back, you know, I mean, 15 years ago, I mean, excuse me, let me go all the way back, about, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you know, it was totally different. It's it's not the same. Children, their minds are, are motivated by uh, yeah. technology. Information um, is, is it's, different. Uh, it's every, everything is totally, totally different. Yeah. Uh, do we have a caller on the line? Yeah, we've got a caller. Yeah, three one two eight eight two. Your mic is open. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your question for Dr. Debbie Green. 
Way on Yacht Shalom, Grand Rising, and Assalamu alaikum to you, Sister uh, Naima. Yes, uh, we can. Uh, this is Minister Plump, Chicago, Illinois. And uh, when I say yes, we can, see, back in the day, we took it to God and we took it to the elders. And then another thing, uh, we didn't use. Uh, we didn't use the wrong language, you know. Uh, I noticed a lot of parents used the language of uh, uh, kid. So we are working on kicking the uh, K word, which is kid, because it takes a village to raise one child, and no one can raise a kid. And the kid is the reason why there's so much uh uh, misunderstanding even in the families and in the uh, community or the village. And uh, we have to, uh, as you said, name learn better, know better, and take a, a different approach because things was different uh, 30, 40 years ago and 50 years ago. So we can learn better. Uh, we have our leadership meeting today. Uh, and uh, atonement meeting today and prosperity for the good of the Minister, family, let me uh, ask for the question. good of the whole. Yeah, sure. question, Minister, uh, because we've been looking at uh, ways of perhaps providing mentorship for those families that are not intact and there needs to be some type of teaching mechanism for those who maybe didn't learn healthy ways of relating. So would you say that your mentorship program has men who are equipped and ready to step into that role, especially for young men who don't have healthy uh, examples of how to relate to women, how to form uh, healthy relationships, and even, as you said, how to take their confidence conflicts to God in a way that is spiritual and wholesome, would you say that your your organization is is able to, to step in and do that kind of work? Yes, uh, we can. Uh, and uh, we can start with uh, uh, the Million Man March because I am personally challenging uh, all of the brothers uh, that we made a, uh, a proclamation or an oath that we would keep, and one of them was uh, a leadership, atonement, as well as prosperity. So, uh, yes, we, we can do this. More of that. So, thank you so much for calling, and uh, we'll, we'll see you Saturday at the Social Chicago Book Fair. Yes, we'll be broadcasting live from there, and uh, with our uh, host, Jana, who will be joining us live from London. And, uh, you know, but there's a lot of a lot of people who are needed to step into those roles and teaching us different ways of relating and inclusion because the era that we come out of, there was a lot of attitudes, you know, women you know, should just be silent or, you know, be submissive, shut up, you know, do as you're told. Children, you need to be seen and not heard. Uh, your opinion doesn't matter. And and so, like you said, Dr. W., this is a different era where people understand that, they, that all life matters. Everyone's rights have to be respected. We live in an information age where children have 
knowledge and information coming to them all day long on their devices. So we have to develop different skills and different ways of relating so that respect is the underlying message that everyone learns and then learning how to speak respectfully to each other is a skill that has to be learned if it wasn't demonstrated in your home and more of our relationships would last if there was mutual respect taught as a a way of life and it's difficult to demonstrate that if the relationship has already ended and there's already anger and there's already trauma that the child is living with because one parent is absent and the other parent is in the house angry <laughs> and you're feeling that vibration all the time and and you're feeling the abandonment if the other person doesn't come around anymore because they don't want to deal with the pain of the broken relationship. So too yeah. many of our families are living with that. So I, are there any ways that we can heal from that hurt if that is the experience that we had growing up or if that's the experience we're giving our children now because of our relationship ending, is there a way we can circumvent them growing up to be that dysfunctional adult that never emotionally matured? Uh, again, it's all about whether that person wants to be emotionally uh, available for themselves. And, you know, really, to be honest with you, these are two different topics that we have been incorporating today. You were really focused on family, and I was focusing on the individual in relationships, but it's okay because it's still dealing with relationships. But uh, the goal was to help remove the conflicting areas uh, as adults because if you don't rear your child in a certain type of way, it will have all, it will have massive effects of conflict from internal as well as external. So you can't go back and fix a child. No. There's no way. You can do that. Whatever damage has been already done has been done. The person as an adult has to then look at their life, you know, saying with a microscopic lens and say, okay, what's my conflict that I have acquired over the years as being a child, you know, as being in a, a dysfunctional family or whatever the case is, so I can see what triggers me in life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the first thing. One has to start with themselves. Right. And once they acknowledge and accept those things, because some people are still living in denial. No, it's not me, it's them. So if it's always not me, it's them, then you're still going to be the victim. Right. You're never going to stop being the victim until you stop pointing the finger. So if you remove that victim mentality, what it's going to do is open up a wider view of your vision emotionally as well as mentally and spiritually to see yourself from a different platform, a different view. And then you're like, okay, I am responding or reacting to my external stimuli like this. Mm -hmm. And that like this may not be what you want, right? right? So I know it's there. I hear it. I see it. But why am I letting it get the best of me? That's the question. Why am I allowing it? To change my 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 words, to change my actions, to change how I feel, just by that moment in time. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that moment in time then goes and it starts to dwindle, starts to bleed into the next day and the next day and the next day. That's how arguments take on conflicts in the first place because we don't have enough mutual understanding nor emotional maturity to say. Hey, 
our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the-female-solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujun, France, Merci. Spain, gracias, Italy, grazie, Egypt, shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, 
Kenya, Asante. Israel, Toda. Pakistan, Shukriya. Afghanistan, Tashakur. Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings. Thank you.